Hey, what's going on everybody? From Instant Adventures, I'm Shannon Frank, and you're listening to DM Diaries, the show where we dive deep into the world of D&D content creators. With me on the show today is Sam, better known as the Educational DM on his page over on Facebook. Hey, Sam. Hi there. It's, uh, it's damn hot here at the moment, I must admit. Um, I've had to turn the air conditioning off for the sake of the audio. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so here in Malaysia. Yeah, well, this is not <laughs> not in Malaysia. I guess that is an upside. <laughs> is it warm there at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's always hot here. So um, uh, it's been raining, so it's a bit cooler. It's like it hits the mid twenties when it's uh, when it's raining. Usually, uh, it's up in the thirties. So yeah. Now, Sam, you're a mathematician and you're a boarding school teacher in Malaysia. Uh, you're originally from London, and you recently spoke at Taylor University on promoting critical thinking and intellectual curiosity through D and D. Is that right? That is correct. Very pleased to be invited. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to talk about these passions of mine. And uh, the D&D scene is really taking, you know, it's taking off in, in Malaysia. So uh, it's good to, to help keep promoting it. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm, honestly, I don't know much about uh, Malaysia. I can't say I've been there myself, but it is kind of cool to see that even, you know, that all around the world, you know, people are obviously hooked hooked on this game that we've been obsessed with for at least uh, at least in my knowing for the last sort of six seven years. Definitely, definitely. Um, it's a bit. I mean, it's it's taking off a little bit slower in Malaysia because probably because of the supply, but. Um... I mean, critical role. There's a the critical role factor. Lots of people over here have been watching the show, loving it. Uh, social media, obviously. You know, the, the re, it's it's reaching. You know, uh, Big Bang Theory, Stranger Things. People are getting interested. Yeah, definitely popular cult, uh, popular media in the last uh, sort of seven or eight years has really sort of latched onto it. Um, I think, and like you, you got even. I think, uh, I think a first sort of pop, uh, pop reference I saw was um, there was an episode of Community. I'm not sure if you know, you're familiar with the show, um, where they had a they had a D, uh, started they did a D and D special, and then it sort of made it a recurring feature throughout a couple of their seasons, which I always thought was pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean that's that's Dan Harmon, isn't it? Um, that is Dan so, Harmon. Yeah, um, he's got his own. Yeah. he's got his own show, Harmon Quest, at the moment. If it's, I think that's still running. Yeah, I haven't watched that actually, so or I haven't heard that. So, um, uh, but yeah, d- definitely he's a he's a big D and D fan. Um, yeah, I know um, he's involved in Rick and Morty, and they've just uh, released the, uh, the Rick and Morty module, haven't they? Yeah, the uh, the box set. I haven't actually had a chance to get my hands on that, but it does look rather interesting. No, I haven't. I haven't looked at it either, so <laughs> can't help you out there. No, that's all right. Look, not a problem. Um, I guess yeah. I guess we'll just jump straight into it and have a bit of a chat about yourself. So. Um, now you run the educational DM, a Facebook page that has uh, checked almost two thousand likes, which is pretty pretty impressive. I, I think you haven't been running it particularly too long. You started about mid mid of last year, is that right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, early last year, maybe March, February, March, April, sometime about then. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I can see you've had a pretty good reception. You've managed to build a, a, a nice little community for yourself over there. Um, now, you're, from what I can tell, just sort of the brief perusing I did, you're mainly sort of posting um, D&D-related articles. I saw you've had a few recently uh, sort of work dealing with them on more sort of like the, the, the psychology behind D&D and how um, how you can help and sort of incorporate that into potentially uh, like the school system. I know a lot of people these days are starting clubs and things at their schools. Um, but and you, you've mentioned before that you're you're definitely more interested in the educational side of D and D. Well, I mean, I cringe a little bit because it's it's a very pretentious title. <laughs> uh, it makes me sound like a, an expert in 
one or the other. I mean, I've been teaching for 20, 21 years now, so I, you could consider me an expert in education. Um, <laughs> in terms of D&D, I have been playing uh, since I was like 10, um, so that's that's much longer, but uh, but I did, I did take a, a big hiatus. I think uh, many of us took a hiatus around third and fourth edition. Yeah. Um, I started again trying to run some stuff with the fourth edition. Um, but it's more that I'm just really passionate about using D&D as an educational tool. Uh, what I, I'd love to see is you know, that being recognized. Now, I think it's being, starting to be recognized in America. I know that, I can't remember her name, um, but one of the, the, the women who works for Ladies Who Works um, and does articles for Nerdarchy, um, the Nerdarchy guys, uh, actually runs, uh, she's a professional DM, and she, so she runs it as an educational thing. Oh, wow. And I know quite a few psychologists um, have been posting about the and the effects that it has on there. And I also see, I mean, these articles, uh, I'm, I'm, certainly some of the articles are talking about the effectiveness of D&D in their schools. So what I want to do is really promote how, you know, that to, firstly, DMs to think about how they can promote it to schools, but also to parents and, uh, like, headmasters and teachers to, to see whether they can, not so much in, incorporate in the cu- curriculum, but... Uh, kind of let parents and the school body know that this is something that's very useful for children. Yeah, and it's obviously being um, that you know a, a lot of even I mean even though it's still I guess in the mainstream you know I guess parents and that and that of of these kids that you know they would have been watching Critical Role they probably still really have um, probably don't necessarily have much of an idea about what's what it actually still is even though it has become certainly a lot more popular in the years so I guess there's also that um that a bit of an issue around sort of how to how to edu- how you'd educate the parents that you know <laughs> that that playing these playing these kind of games is actually um, you know be- better. For their child than than uh, some tr- other tradi- traditional areas. Yeah, and and I mean those those parents who haven't come from a D and D or fantasy kind of tradition, so that they don't know what D and D is, they will still be of the age about my age and and older who will have gone through the kind of uh, satanic panic mm. of the East. And even though I mean I don't know what it was like in Australia, but uh, in the UK we weren't. It wasn't a big thing. I mean, we don't have a, as as much of um, a strong religious kind of um, background to the, the, the general populace. Um, so, yeah. but I, I I have a kind of very religious mum who who kind of went through that, and um, so they're very very. I mean, I would say that there's still a lot of suspicion about D and D, and I think schools in general. Are, are very suspicious about uh, new things coming in. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what I want to do is try and break down those barriers, try and actually, I mean, also getting getting people out of the mindset of it's just a game, therefore, you know, um, why would this help with our education? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
No, that's, that's definitely true. I mean, um, I personally didn't grow up around that time, so I can't really attest to sort of the impact that the the Satanic Panic had on sort of the the, the community in in Australia. But uh, at least from my understanding, that like the the role playing games community has never been particularly large in Australia. It's only sort of more in the last sort of last recent years. Um, that it's sort of really gained a lot of traction and had a lot of people come back to it who may have, you know, they may have played older editions and sort of skipped a few and now have now returned for 5th edition. Um, at least from my own experience with the communities that I've interacted with, that seems to be, like, the general consensus. So, I mean, imagine there would have been a little... Especially, I mean, the, oh, you know, we have quite conservative Christians and things in Australia as well, so I imagine that there would have been some of that. You know, I think um, I myself, growing up in, as a Jehovah's Witness, um, sort of experienced a little bit of that. I, you know, I was kind of aware of D&D, and I first heard that through the organisation um, as something that was kind of to be shunned or, to you know, to be aware of. Um, but I still didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't, don't think they really knew what it was or uh, had any idea, you know, what was actually involved with it. It was kind of this, this thing that these people were doing that, you know, had, had evil connotations. And that was, that was about all we really, all I'd ever heard about. It. And even that was sort of in passing because that was back in the eighties. So it certainly wasn't relevant when I was growing up, at least, um, wasn't material that was really circulated around. Yeah, yeah, um, but I mean, the good thing is that going forward, you you've got people from all sorts of backgrounds playing D and D, and and actually, um, kind of board games is is kind of related to that as well. I know yeah. that uh, there are there are certainly some Christian groups that work with um, the the board games the, uh, at Gen Con and things like that. I know the Dice Tower, uh, the Dice Tower guys are actually pastors. I don't think that they. Um, oh, really. Named Sam something or other, he's a he's a, the pastor. So, um, and myself, I'm I'm a Christian as well. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, now I know you. I know you've got your own group that you are running at the school. Now you, 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 we sort of uh, we had a, for those who don't know, we had an earlier an earlier dis- previous discussion last night that we could have dragged on for quite some time. Um, I, now, you, sort of based on what sort of what you've told me, how, how are you sort of um, trying try to incorporate those more educational aspects into the own, into your own groups that you run? Um, I think. I mean, at the moment, I'm just observing to see. Um, Kind of things that are coming out of it, and and I'm I'm fascinating. Uh, I I find it quite amazing. Just uh, just running games by themselves, you start to see um, a lot of the things uh, that uh, you want the extracurricular activities uh, to teach. Um, and D and D ticks those boxes. Yeah. Um, I th- we we talked about the um, the fact that as a as an educator, I see I regularly see. The articles that say, kind of, uh, along the lines of, what do schools, uh, what do companies want that schools don't teach, or what uh, what life skills uh, are essential that schools aren't teaching, and and those kind of things, you know, because it's a boarding school, we um, boarding schools spend a lot more time on the extracurriculars and the kind of holistic education, so a lot more on the sports, and the arts, and the extracurriculars, so. Um, actually, I, so it's actually timetable to have an extracurricular slot for clubs. Um, unfortunately, it means I only get an hour to run right. uh, against. It's, it's just really quite hard. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. The good thing is I've had a, a few of my students um, being willing to step up to DMs. Three you know, very good ones. 
Uh, one actually, one guy is actually uh, quite a young chap. He's um, he's actually got ADHD. Um, he's actually kind of uh, pretty restless in terms of himself and, and finds concentration in class not easy. Yeah. Um, and actually has a bit of a reputation of not being, not necessarily being the easiest character in class. I don't think he'd, he'd mind me saying that if he heard this. I'm not going to name names, but he, <laughs> I don't be saying that. Um, but it's been wonderful to see him actually take on the role of DM and, you know, uh, us discussing how to kind of improve the group and how to kind of better run the, the D&D stuff. And to see someone like that take on that role and grow into that role has been fantastic. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other guys are just really passionate. Uh, they, you know, one of them's left now. The other guy, the other guy, um, is it a movie? Yeah, well, it's in his last year, so it's getting a little bit too busy. But seeing them kind of, um, yeah, so the, the guy who's still here, he loves his law. So discussing kind of law and then, you know, Bill are bringing in kind of uh, real history and relating it to real history. Yeah. That's where, I, that's where, that's one of the things I, I, I talked about in terms of intellectual curiosity. That's yeah. my big I think that schools are pushing so hard for academic results, they're kind of leaving that intellectual curiosity thing to one side. And, you know, there's, a, there's been quite a few articles on how the, the Scandinavian systems um, do that much better because they, don't, they set almost no homework. They have only half a day of teaching up till quite, quite high level, uh, you know, until their mid-teens. And the whole idea is actually to get them to to kind of investigate things for themselves and explore things for themselves. And there's a whole area of teaching maths that is kind of like, you know, uh, in the 70s, they, they, they came, someone, uh, this guy called Cockcroft came out with a report and the British government thought it was a wonderful idea. And the central core of that was, was actually um, that the best way to learn maths is by exploration. And because of that, they changed the whole syllabus of uh, the GCSE uh, to add coursework to it. Hmm. Now, the problem with coursework in a math curriculum is that it becomes a tick bo uh, a box ticking exercise. So, uh, and, and then a kind of marking grid. So you have to do this, this, and this to get the marks. Well, that's ridiculous. That's not an open-ended piece of coursework then. That's not allowing them to explore. That's saying, you can explore any way you want, but you have to do this, this, and this. Which, yeah. So the idea of marking open-ended coursework is uh, it becomes almost contradictory. Um, uh, what? So this is why I would say, yeah, for D and D, you can't. You know, I I don't foresee it ever becoming part of the curriculum. But I want. I do want educators. I do want parents to see the value of it in of itself. Um, and, and that's what I'm observing as I, um, uh, as I, you know, run these groups. And I, I talked to you, um, yesterday when I was talking about what I could see, you know, you know how to move forward with trying, trying to plan adventures. Yeah. I want to try to think about, um, planning adventures that, um, specifically target skills things like teamwork leadership communication um 
it's it's quite a hard concept. Uh, yeah, I think we the, we sort of we, we did the brief bit that we talked about yesterday. They they were quite it, it did seem quite like a bit of an abstract concept, and how you'd sort of work that into an adventure um, would be quite a quite a challenge. That that's for sure. It's like certainly doable, but yeah, it's it's sort of um, it would take a lot of sort of trial and error with that one. Yeah, no, I I quite agree, and and that's yeah, that's something that's playing on the back of my mind. It's it's not something that I've uh, sat down to, to actually write anything yet. Um, I think as I progress through, so um, if you see, you've, as you've, you, you've read my articles, the first one was very much uh, something that uh, I wrote because it's something that I just haven't seen out there. It's, it's about D&D teaching morals and, um, yeah, moral, um, yeah, morality and uh, kind of uh, learning how to behave around other people and then the second one is much more mainstream is about how it improves critical thinking third one is a little bit about um intellectual curiosity but i also want to go on to talk about things like leadership and teamwork and i think as i work through those i will solidify more of an understanding about what part of the adventures actually train up those those characteristics and i don't know whether I don't know whether I'll ever get to the point where I'll, I'll say this is a this is an adventure that that teaches leadership because I think it's a again it's a natural part of and and again not everyone in the group is going to going to practice that skill yeah, um, yeah work maybe communication something like that I don't know but uh, certainly something for me to think about and that's where I I want to be heading. Yeah, no, for sure. And you you gave me some real stuff to sort of think about yesterday because, uh, as I mentioned to you, like what uh, you know, some of the feedback I'd received in my own stuff was that you know, like um, sort of needed to to sort of branch out a bit more with the sort of challenges that I was face uh, sort of present to players in through my own adventures. Uh, and so the idea of sort of trying to work an educational aspect into that, I, I found um, particularly interesting. And I, I mentioned to you, uh, my friend um, Paul uh, back in Tasmania, he's a site the, the psychologist who's also running um, D&D groups with the idea, uh, they're running with, with um, developmentally challenged kids to uh, sort of help help bring them out of their shell and teach them social skills and again it's sort of what we were talking about before about how you know teaching them you know, leadership and teamwork and that kind of thing through the uh, through role playing yeah certainly I want to talk to um, more well more psychologists and other educators as, as to and, and see whether we can pinpoint some of those things what part of the adventure yeah, what part of the, the campaign is actually kind of hitting those buttons hmm. certainly I mean, some of the role play aspect is getting kind of the, the social aspect. Um, I had a, a new player in my um, campaign that I was running with adults, um, uh, a, a guy who was a new player and he was quite shy. Yeah. But it so happened that I was running Sunless Citadel, and it just so happened he was the only one who could teach, uh, who could um, talk Draconic. Right. So okay. some, I don't want to spoil the surprise too much. I don't think it's, <laughs> it's been out for a while. I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a white dragon in it, a white baby dragon. And so he was the only one. And, you know, it was it was quite an awkward conversation that he was having, but he eventually uh, persuaded the dragon to come and fight with them. Right. And it was such a great victory moment for him. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's really come out of his shell, and he's uh, playing in one of my other groups as well. Uh, or one one of the other groups in in the shop, um, 
and uh, yeah, really enjoying D&D, I think. I think that's just seeing those moments, um, it, yeah, is, is brilliant. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think that is definitely one of the main rewards for when you're running games, being able to, like, give players those moments that, you know, either help, like, um, not even not necessarily just even help them come out of their shell, but just give them that, you know, those wow moments where they, they really feel like they've com- accomplished something because, you know, you can't really beat that, uh, that sense of accomplishment. You know, they might not necessarily have... Um, a lot of you know success or accomplishments in their own life, and so you, if, if you can give you know giving them the, the small moments, um, and it feels real, you know it's 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 as real as you know any other sort of accomplishment that you'd you'd have. Um, it, you know it triggers the same sort of areas of the brain. So, it's, yeah, by all means, you know it's it's um it's really you know having a developmental impact on that person as a whole. Yeah, and and as you say, kind of it, those moments are real. You, you really visualize them as well, and I mm. I think. Um, that's something that you you kind of you don't you don't take away so much from uh, video games and um, and yeah TV and this you know and, and movies. I mean yeah. you you can remember your feeling on great moments in the in the cinema, for example, um, kind of um, when all all the armies suddenly come to support Captain America in Endgame or. A uh, video game when you kill the final boss in Diablo or something like that, you finally you know, do that magical moment. But it's not as good as if you've actually done it yourself. I mean, video games mm. is a little bit, but and then the theater of the mind as well. Having that theater of the mind, I can still remember um, uh, playing Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay as a teenager and uh, us taking on a, a giant Earth elemental. Um, and you know, and us winning that uh, yeah, that fight, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, fantastic moments, and, uh, and and certainly kind of sense of achievement, sense of accomplishment, sense of yeah, the yeah. teamwork. It's it's definitely something that you don't really get with like. Whenever you hear people talk about, you know, like it's, it, like you said with video games before, if you know if someone mentions, oh, you know, there was this, you know, like you know, we, you know, there was four, of, you know, four of us, and we gained, you know, we we beat the boss, blah blah. blah. It, it's not, it doesn't have the same effect when someone's sort of relaying, um, like their 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 role playing experiences. You know, the, the way they generally talk about, it, they they speak it from a talking from like a first person perspective, like I did this, we, you know, we did this, this happened, I reacted this way, like they're talking about it from a very personal perspective. Yeah, um, and I, I think also there's a difference when you are actually in the same room together. That camaraderie, and also definitely, when you develop definitely. friendships, um, you see that. I mean, you see the bond that um, that former army buddies have, and that's something that you can kind of you can. I mean, I I haven't been in the army, but you you know I've got some ex-army guys who just I mean. The, the bond that they have is is something that I don't think anyone can really understand unless they've been there. Yeah, it's um, that, I, um, that bond of shared experience. Exactly. And I think that, that happens very quickly just through doing stuff. So hmm. I've made friends very quickly when I, for example, I've, I've been working on doing some conferencing and actually kind of um, kind of handing out flyers and, and putting out chairs. Hmm. And I'm working with these other guys for like two or three days together and um and just the friendships you you immediately make in doing these things together um or working with some colleagues in quite a you know tough situation um 
you yeah having that kind of real bond when you're actually there working on the same thing together is yeah is is something that i think unparalleled in in making those friendships um and yeah and um and i mean as a, i mean i went to a recent conference on um um on positive schools uh kind of uh, well-being hmm. now and this sounds a bit strange because as, as a mathematician i i I deal with very kind of you know, and and kind of overlapping a little bit with science. Um, I deal with very substantial things. So when people talk about kind of well-being and yeah, kind of happiness lessons and stuff, I kind of roll my eyes and I'm a little bit cynical. But <laughs> yeah. side, on the other side, I'm I'm a very strong believer in the pastoral element of education uh, and that that we that we have a duty to look after these you know, students and see uh, their their well-being, but. So um, in this conference, uh, one of the main speakers, um, I can't remember her name again, I'm, I'm very bad at names, um, was talking, um, and I kind of started to sit up because she was actually backing up her ideas with statistics, which always pleased me. Um, <laughs> as, as a mathematician, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but also as a teacher, you can tell when someone is, yeah, is just being airy fairy and kind of wave, arm wavy yeah. and someone who's talking from experience and this lady was definitely talking from experience she'd been into schools she'd actually spent time getting to know the children in the schools and her, so her, but her main point was the um the best thing so so her, her big thing was that the best school a thing a school can do for a child's well-being is to give them a sense of belonging the best thing that a child can have for their kind of future well-being and mental stability is... Don't mind me, sorry. <laughs> okay, you are, there, are you okay there? Yeah, it's all right. Just dropped a bottle. <laughs> so, so this idea that friendships are possibly the most important thing in a child's life, so more so than... Kind of more so than kind of um, exam results, more so than learning skills. Uh, in terms of their mental well-being, in terms of their mental health, this is this is fascinating. Um, yeah. And and I think you know D and D where people are doing stuff together is uh, an amazing tool for that. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm sure you can relate. Like some of my um, like longer longest friendships. And you know the friends I still talk to the most today have been formed um, through role-playing games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so just that having that, you're right. Just just having that shared experience. It um, there really is quite nothing like it. I mean, I guess the closest thing is like you said, like you get with um, like you know people who are you know they're constantly doing things together, or you know they're in a team environment. They're all and they're constantly. You know, having to rely on each other for that, I mean, which you do with many aspects of D and D. You know that you, you, as characters, you face challenges together, and you, you know, you have to work out well, how to how to resolve problems together. Otherwise, the party falls apart and it just doesn't work. So you know, you have to. It's one of those. It's one of the few sort of, I guess, games where you know it kind of requires teamwork. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Yeah, and and you can take the flip side of that as well. Um, again reading articles, you know, and, and kind of, uh, you know, um, 
listening to the statistics on these things and, and looking at the psychology on these things, one of the biggest problems of the 21st century is actually loneliness. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Becoming a, a, a big uh, problem and actually a big killer. You know, they, they say that um, uh, I think having, having good friendships adds another extra 10, 20 years on your life. Which is uh, an well, yeah. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, human we are as humans. We are we are designed to be social animals, and you know, if you're out, if you find yourself outside of a you know or you know isolated from a social dichotomy, whether that be you know your family or your friends or you know even uh, even like work colleagues to some degree, you know, you are yeah, you you're going to have obviously a, a decreased quality of life. Agreed completely, and and this comes back to the educational yeah. Thing um, in terms of it's and in some ways it's more than education. Um, this is this is definitely the, going into the, the realms of pastor, uh, yeah, uh, pastoral um, care and actually even parenting. To be honest with you, yeah, so, yeah, and and certainly I've seen increasing number, you know, uh, case where schools are being sadly schools are, are being relied on through that. Yeah, pastoral care and the parenting. Yeah, well, I know from my own experience, um, and this, you know, this may be a reflection on the on on the, wit- the Jehovah's Witnesses as as a whole, but um, like it just growing up, like I I didn't have a particularly huge amount of friends. Most of my friends were through school. Um, I had a sort of one or two in the church. Uh, I sort of the, the congregation or church that I grew up in. We only had there was only a few sort of kids around my age. Uh, at any any one time, and they that didn't really change for most of my childhood, um, and I we didn't really ha- most of them didn't live anywhere near where I lived. So again, sort of that isolating fact. You know, my parents also both worked uh, for most of my childhood, so I used to spend long, quite long periods either you know in, in someone else's care or on my own, um, and so I had to sort of from a young age develop that. Um, that ability, very ability to very early on, just kind of entertain yourself. And one of the one of the, you know my favorite things to do is obviously sort of, you know, wander off into the realm of your own mind. And you know, I used to have Lego, and I'd create you know a small world, or I'd you know I'd build spaceships and have space. Like you know, I love Star Wars at the time, so I would build spaceships and I'd have you know these epic battles in my mind between these <laughs> these tiny like, you know, Lego figures that I'd built. Um, and I honestly really think that that helped really feed me into D and D. It's just kind of a very natural, felt very natural sort of going into it because it, you know, I'd been doing it for sort of so long beforehand without really knowing exactly. So I guess without doing it without really putting any kind of mechanics to it. Now, I mean, that, that brings me on to another thing, really, in terms of the research. I mean, you must have read it because it's becoming so popularized now is this idea of kind of let children be bored. Hmm. Um, the, the, the amount, I mean, unfortunately, I see kind of far too many and I can understand I mean you've yeah. got children are kind of misbehaving or kind of wanting attention the whole time but the easiest thing to do is put uh, your phone in front of them give them a screen of some kind yeah iPad yeah um, but you know I, I'd be really interested to see what the kind of I don't know how you do research on this but um, some kind of statistics on uh, the creativity or like see see major creators um, and see kind of how much they spent of their childhood being bored or I mean even yeah. even something like you know, reading which is not you know, boredom it's it's still exercising your mind in that terms in terms of 
your imagination. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I can tell you from a from personal experience, I spent much, a, a, quite a lot of my childhood being quite bored. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I was I was exactly the same. Um, left in my own devices a lot. Um, I read read a lot, but also I, I certainly remember making up kind of. Um, I I was never really any good with Lego. Um, I I had toy animals, and I would make up stories about them. Yeah, um, and kind of, oh, these animals are good, and these animals are evil, and they're, they're going to kind of go on this adventure, and they're going to fight these kind of evil animals. And, yeah, you know, and no, no, that, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, like even at a most basic element, the, like the most basic thing I remember doing is my mum had a raspberry bush out the back um and i, I remember <laughs> discovering and uh, like she used to always used to have always this very large collection of toothpicks and i decided one day that i was i can't remember i must have been incredibly bored because i grabbed two of these raspberries thing a couple of toothpicks and then proceeded to have a sword fight between the two raspberries because it was very most satisfying when you stabbed one of the raspberries and all these red juice comes out and <laughs> There's the act of, oh no, he's been hit, he's bleeding out, so try and patch him up with some tissue paper or something. Okay, interesting. (laughs) Most bizarre, I will admit, but yeah, I have have memories of doing that quite a few times because I found it used to uh, amuse me greatly. Oh dear, Um, certainly creative. I, I, you know, you work with what you've got, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing that it doesn't, you know, having minis doesn't simulate is, is the blood splatter. splatter. And, uh, <laughs> Not quite as satisfying. One, uh, and, and one thing that teenage boys uh, love is just gruesome deaths. Oh, you oh know? of course. I, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I... I, I, I honestly this... attribute that to the, um, to, to the, the success of the, the, Warhammer, the Warhammer series in the 40k universe. <laughs> well, no, I, well, I think the little boys have always uh, liked kind of like the gruesome well they've they've liked the idea of con- combat and they've li- liked the idea of fighting etc always i think you, you, you go back like uh, as long as history is um mm. you're, you're the idea of play of uh, of play fighting i mean I, you know when i was younger i quite i used to build um wooden wooden swords and shields and i'd you know i'd get my neighbors over and that that build some as well and then we'd go in the backyard and proceed to beat the crap out of each other <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, but and then just describing that, and and that's actually something that um, dare I mention, uh, kind of Matt Mercer has taught me in terms of my DMing, uh, in terms of I don't know whether I did it beforehand. I certainly d- described what was going on, but when he says kind of how do you want to do this, it's great because it gives the the, the player the um, the opportunity to to be creative in that sense, yeah. and then what does is then takes that and kind of elaborates on it uh, you know and then just really just takes kind of uh, paints the fuller picture from yeah. that and that I've learned in my DMing from him. Well uh, I know I know with my own play style like I if, 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 if a play if players aren't describing sort of how they're attacking I tend to do that for them and I think that's that's um because that's what I want, like, you know, out of the game, like, you know, I really enjoy that kind of, you know, it's like, instead of being like, oh, you know, okay, I, I rolled to hit the orc, I got a 24 to hit, uh, okay, 14 damage. And I'm like, okay, and I'm sort of, you know, I'll, I'll wait a couple of seconds, wait for this to go say, all right, you're all right, your axe, as your axe comes down, it, you know, cleaves into the orc's shoulder and buries down into his rib cage, and, you know, you, you, you feel, you try to try and retrieve it, you, you, you know, hear the snapping of bones, and <laughs> Yeah, and, very, and very visible kind of, and and um, the sort of you know a real image to it. Yeah, no, I I mean, do you do you find that at the end of a session because you're doing so much of that and it is 
in that sense, it's so much improv um, that you're mentally exhausted. I, yes. I, I find, yes. you know, doing that, if, especially, you know, if I'm tired already, that becomes quite stilted. That becomes quite, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm scrubbing separate ideas about I, how to kind of come up yeah. with a new way to fill this, this goblin or, you know, to, to kind of to describe a natural 20 or describe how they, yeah. you know, it's like this is this is the third goblin you've described as me running him through. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, um, you know, it's late. <laughs> yeah. So, so just at the end of the session, I, I'm mentally exhausted. So yeah, it, I, yeah. I think I definitely need. I think um, I definitely should get back into the. Ha- and I used to do this quite a lot. I think I definitely need to get back into the habit of um, having players describe how they finish off a character. Like I'm more than happy to describe their attacks, but I like, I think I, I should, I need to get back into the habit of leaving that up to them. Okay. You know, it's like, all right, it's like, you know, they rolled a hit, you know, the guy's going to die. And it's like, okay, how do you want to finish him? And that, that kind of get that again, that kind of throws it back on them and that kind of gets their, you know, their brain whirling. Cause obviously they've just spent the last like, you know, a couple of rounds hitting it, hit, you know, trying to kill this guy. And they've been thinking about, right, how do I kill him? And all of a sudden it's like, wait, how do I kill him? <laughs> No, 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 definitely, definitely. And as I said, you know, teenage boys, they, they love their gruesome deaths, and the more blood that you have, you know, the more the gruesome, you know, I, I you know, I think even little girls do to, to a certain degree. You know, oh, d- dude, little, little, little girls, they, um, some, some of them can be really violent. <laughs> That's true. true. Um, my own niece, for example, I mean, like, well, when I say little violent, I mean, my own niece, for example, my, um, uh, so my brother had some lambs that were relatively young. They're you know, not. I think they're a couple of weeks old at this point, and they're out. They're out in the. He owns quite a large property. And they're out in the backyard, and uh, she comes up to him and says, "Daddy, when are the lambs ready to eat?" <laughs> they're only a couple of weeks old, and she's what well, she would have been like seven or eight at the time. It's like, what's wrong with your child? <laughs> Can't eat well, them I, yet. I, actually, I prefer it that way. That you know, they actually have some idea of the, the realities of life. Yeah, she's very. Um, yeah, she's very. Uh, I guess. Uh, well, uh, I'm not integrated. Turn, yeah, I'm not adverse to turning people vegetarian. I'm not adverse to kind of. Um, kind of. I, I I actually can't claim the scalp of a couple of vegetarians who I've turned back to being carnivores. I I have to confess, um, because I I love meat and lamb is actually one of my favourites. But. Um, um, I used to take uh, a trip that we, we used to go to Normandy. We'd take, take about 30, 40 uh, teenagers. Um, they were year seven. So actually, they're, they're kind of like 12, 12-year-olds. Uh, 12 yeah. Uh, do this this farmhouse in, in Normandy. Um, and on the last night, there would always be uh, a couple of spit roast pigs. Yeah. So wonderfully, I got these photos of these... Um, kind of these little girls who were looking at the spit roast pig with absolute horror on their face. These are inner city London kids. So these are these are posh West London kids. They've I mean, never yeah, seen they've probably had you know, a pork chop in their life but not realised that it comes from, you know, the thing now rotating over the fire. <laughs> that's the thing. Then I've got a photo of the same girls tucking into great <laughs> Of full pork, full pork sandwiches, and absolutely loving it. And that was one of my, yeah, kind of my favourite moments from kind of the, the photos of of that of those trips. Um, just seeing the kind of the the differences there, and I, I think that's you know that's a valuable thing. Yeah, I think people people need to 
<laughs> to know that if they're gonna if they're gonna enjoy their meat, they really should have an idea of where it comes from. Yeah, I think it's too easy to have that disconnect nowadays with um, the proliferation of you know obviously supermarkets and heavily processed and manufa- and manufactured uh, meat products. Yeah, there was actually um, a school in um, in England where they uh, they were being celebrated for um, the fact that uh, the head was promoting. Um, kind of wilderness skills, and and the the boys were the or the, the I don't think it was just the boys. I think the students were, yeah, um, yeah, allowed to go out and shoot some pheasant and uh, do, do some kind of you know, involved in the, the farming aspect. And I think in a farming community in a countryside community, that's that's wholly appropriate. Mm. Um, and I, I, you know, the more the more that, that you know uh, people are actually given something outside of the classroom that you know to learn i mean i i think that there is there's a lot you know that we are doing well in the classroom i think there are things that we're not doing so well but i think that there there should be kind of almost as much emphasis on what they're learning outside the classroom yeah um, and i think that's a, a balance that we've got you know that, that they've got wrong in asia um because of the prevalence of extra classes, extra lessons, etc., you know, I think that that's something that boarding schools do very, very well in, like, the, in the UK and in other Western countries. Um, I think that, yeah, league tables um, have uh, been a real problem, you know, for the focus on exam results. You know, that's that's just you know, made schools really paranoid about their league. Yeah, their, their league table status, their exam results, and everything else, and so really pushing on the exam front. Um, and this obviously causes parents to kind of compare their schools in terms of their league table status, in terms of their exam results, and you know, kind of. Um, I mean, my my school in London uh, was was very uh, that I was in in London was uh, spent a lot of time obsessing about uh, the number of. Oxford or Cambridge candidates that they had, and, and Oxford and Cambridge kind of uh, students going to Oxford and Cambridge. Yeah. Now, I can understand that obsession. I can understand all of that drive. Parents obviously want to send their children to the best schools possible. You know, schools want to, to present themselves as best as they can. But this this presents a problem for you know, the holistic education of the yeah. child, well-being of the child. Um, students um and you know and and this is what i want to push back on you know i'm very very you know uh, i'm very very interested in, in seeing kind of promotion of intellectual curiosity um but a lot less on kind of academic um yeah academic results exam yeah. results well, I'm, I'm sure we could have a, a much longer discussion about the the education system, and uh, I don't want to drag this on for too long. But look, um, it's been really awesome talking to you, Sam. It's, I'm, I'm sure I'd love to have you on again at some point. Um, once you know, have a, once you've again, maybe once once you've had a had a, had, a, had time to work out where, where we can go with this uh, education with D and D. Let the people know what have you got going on in the next year, in the, in the new year. Um. I'm going to be writing more articles. Um, I've actually written one about whether uh, whether D and D actually helps with maths. Um, little secret: it does, but not in the way that you think it does. Um, I want to write about uh, what DMs can learn from teachers and what I've learned as a teacher that can help DMs. 
Um, I want to write about these things I've talked about in terms of leadership, in terms of teamwork, in terms of communication. I want to talk about um, I want to talk about loneliness and how D&D helps friendships, etc. So there's so much going on in my mind that I, you know, but I, yeah. want to, I want to properly craft these articles. So they're not going to come out quickly. Yeah. You know, I, could, I can talk about them endlessly. <laughs> um, but as an article, I want to properly craft them, which is why my articles come out every few months um, yeah. well i can say i can say for sure like just the, the few that i've read are, are pretty um some probably from an intellectual standpoint are pretty 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 fascinating reads um i highly recommend you go check him out on educational dm's facebook page and uh where else can people find you um i'm publishing them on um dumpstat adventures uh which is quite a good website with they do quite a uh, bit of stuff on especially the like the downtime uh, downtime activities and things like that so dumpstatadventures.com. Um, so I'm publishing it there. I'm also starting to publish them after I've published there for a, a, you know, a month or so. I'm publishing them on Medium. Um, so in, uh, interested to see what the wider public think of that, not just the D&D community, because I think Dumpstat Adventures is kind of promoting it to the D&D community. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm also going to be trying... One more thing, I'm also going to be trying to run... Um, weekends away, kind of D and D weekends away in Malaysia, and, and, and kind of improving and, and promoting D and D in the uh, in, in Malaysia by doing that. No, that's really awesome, and I'm sure the work you've been doing, especially I'm sure the students you've been working with, really appreciate the work that you've been putting in. And obviously, everyone that's been over your page, from what I can tell, they, um, they seem to be really enjoying your articles, as as myself. So I'll definitely make sure to uh, keep up with those, and I'll, I'll uh, do my best to direct people your way. Um, look, thanks for listening, guys. This has been in- uh, Shannon Frank with Instant Adventures, and this has been ADM Dialogues. Uh, thank you, Sam, for uh, for joining us, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Thank you, Shannon.